Donald Trump calls on the Republican National Committee to cancel all future GOP debates, while Ron DeSantis finally comes out swinging against Trump and so-called red-pilled influencers are telling young men not to get married. We examine whether they're right. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. I talk about them every single show. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Alrighty, folks. So President Trump is basically now declaring the primaries over. And look, if you look at the national polling data right now, he is up by a long shot on the rest of the field. If you compare this to, say, 2016, at this point in the 2016 race, Trump was up maybe 10 to 12 points on the rest of the field. At this point, Trump is up by virtually all of the polling, about 40 points over the rest of the field. The latest Economist YouGov poll, for example, has Trump at 53%, DeSantis at 14, and everybody else well below 10. The Monmouth poll before that has Trump at 55, DeSantis at 17, everybody else well below 10. However, this is not a national primary. When you look at Iowa, for example, Trump's lead, it starts to shrink a little bit. Not that he's not in the lead, but it's closer to 30 points than to 40 points. When you move on to New Hampshire, his lead again is closer to 30 points than it is to 40 points. At least 50, at least 45 to 50% of the Republican base in these primaries does not want Donald Trump, or at the very least is, is talking about voting already about people who are not Donald Trump. And there's a, a solid number of people who like Donald Trump, but would be open to others. This is what the polling is showing right now. Well, Trump would like to cancel all future debates because he says that we need to train our fire on Biden. Now, that's kind of an ironic claim coming from President Trump, who's trained most of his fire at this point on various prosecutors going after him or on Ron DeSantis. He's not trained an enormous amount of fire on President Biden to this point. However, trying to end the primaries early is obviously in Trump's best interest. Whether the RNC goes along with anything like that is another question. According to media yesterday, the Trump campaign has now asked the RNC to put an end to any further primary debates following a second debate that former President Donald Trump skipped. A note from senior advisor Chris LaCivita was sent from the Trump press office. It said, tonight's GOP debate was as boring and inconsequential as the first debate. Nothing that was said will change the dynamics of the primary contest being dominated by President Trump. President Trump has a 40 or 50 point lead in the primary election and a 10 point lead over Joe Biden in the general election. Well, that is according to one poll. We talked about that poll a couple of days ago. There are two separate polls that have come out since then, one with Biden up one, one with Biden up five. This is to suggest that in the real clear politics polling average, for example, Trump is up 10 is not right. In the average, basically, he and, and Biden are running within margin of error. The RNC should immediately put an end to any further primary debate so we can train our fire on crooked Joe Biden and quit wasting time and money that could be going to evicting Biden from the White House. Now, again, one of the problems here is that the argument that Team Trump is going to spend all that money on evicting Biden from the White House ignores the fact that an extraordinary amount of the money that is poured into Trump's campaign has been spent on his legal bills and will going forward be spent on his legal bills, particularly if all of his assets are locked up in New York because of this fraud case. Meanwhile, President Trump is, is doing the Trump thing. He did this UAW speech the other day that was not to the UAW, it was about the UAW. And um, stagecraft, you, you could call it stagecraft, you could also call it fibbing. So President Trump stacked the room, apparently, with a bunch of his own supporters, many of whom were not union members. In fact, there was one person carrying a sign that said union members for, for Trump, who then admitted to the press that he was not, in fact, a union member and had basically been handed the sign. According to the UK Guardian, when Donald Trump gave a speech in Michigan on Wednesday, seeking to capitalize on the UAW strike, at least two crowd members holding signs saying union members for Trump and auto workers for Trump turned out to be neither. According to the Detroit News, one individual in the crowd who held the sign that said union members for Trump acknowledged she was not a union member when approached by a reporter after the event. Another person with a sign that read auto workers for Trump said he was not an auto worker when asked for an interview. Both people did not provide their names. The paper said that between four and 500 people attended the event. 
It was at a non-unionized automotive parts supplier in Clinton Township. <laughs> so he didn't go to like a unionized shop. He went to like a non-union shop to do a speech about how the UAW workers deserve more and how they're being screwed by President Biden. Now, again, the general message that Trump gave with regard to Biden and electric vehicle mandates and all the rest, a lot of that is true. However, again, the manipulation of the stagecraft is pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Well, Donald Trump's lawyers, meanwhile, as we say, they're looking down the barrel of a real problem for Donald Trump with regard to his assets. People, I think, are not spending enough time and energy on the fraud ruling in New York. The reason being, again, all these criminal indictments, they're going to go whichever way they're going to go. And everybody knows that they're politically motivated. The fraud ruling is also politically motivated, but the real world impact of that fraud ruling is devastating to President Trump on a personal and a familial level. President Trump's lawyers apparently don't really know what to do because the judge in this case is so obviously partisan and so obviously over the top. The judge actually fined Trump's lawyers for making arguments he didn't like in that last ruling. According to the New York Times, Trump could lose his grip on buildings, including Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue, the Trump International Hotel, looking overlooking Central Park and all the rest. The judge sided with New York Attorney General Letitia James. And as a punishment, the judge effectively revoked Trump's licenses to operate all of those properties. And it left much of his New York operation hanging in the balance. Trump is expected to appeal. He's already sued Justice Engeron himself, who's been a thorn in the side of the Trump lawyers for more than a year. In a Wednesday hearing, Trump's lawyers pled for clarity, asking Justice Engeron to explain exactly what the effect of his ruling would be. And the judge refused to say. So it's it's totally unclear what happens now. So it could spell the end of the Trump organization. It could the for, force the sell-off of several properties. It could basically destroy Trump's organization in New York. More likely, said legal experts, is a period in which Trump would be unable to operate his properties, which would be handed to a court-appointed chief executive. Such an arrangement would preserve Trump's ownership while preventing him and his two adult sons from running the machinery of the empire without permission from the court, which could be a problem depending on how much leverage he's taking out against buildings, for example, in order to fund his, his legal enterprises. Now, all these are obstacles to, to Trump's reelect. Again, it is not that Trump can't beat Biden. He certainly can. Is that a probability? I think it's not a probability. I think that it is a, I would say, a 40 to 45 percent shot that Trump would beat Joe Biden in a general election, given his performance in the last election, given the fact that right now he's not the actual nominee yet. And so many Democrats are focusing in on the failures of Joe Biden rather than how much they hate Donald Trump. Obviously, Joe Biden is focusing in in tremendous fashion on Trump and Trump alone. He, the only reason, basically, that he stayed in the race is because Trump is the nominee. He believes that he's the only candidate that he can be. We'll get to more of that in just one second. First, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Internet service providers know every single website you visit and can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who then use that data to target you. ExpressVPN helps prevent all that. They reroute your network data through a secure encrypted tunnel so your internet service provider can't see or sell your activity online. ExpressVPN is super easy to use. Just fire up the app, you click one button. It works on phones, laptops, routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. Our entire team is using ExpressVPN while we are here in Israel, which gives us peace of mind knowing that our work and our personal data is, in fact, protected. You should do the same. Protect your online privacy by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben to get the same VPN I use. Use my link to get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. It's expressvpn.com slash Ben. I've been using them for years. They protect all my data. Obviously, I take my data pretty seriously. You should take your data just as seriously as I do by heading on over to expressvpn.com slash Ben and getting that extra three months for free. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, I've been talking about my Helix Sleep mattress for years. I got to admit, last night was a very rough night. We had to take the dog to the hospital. Dog is okay, but didn't get a lot of sleep. The sleep I did get is thanks to my Helix Sleep mattress made 
just for me. If you haven't already checked out the Helix Elite Collection, you need to. Helix harnesses years of mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress, because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress. I love it. My wife loves it. They're big Helix fans here at the Shapiro house. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I'm not sure that has ever happened. Helix is now offering 25% off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for my listeners. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code helixpartner25. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code helixpartner25 with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. Okay, so President Trump trying to forestall all the rest of the primaries by essentially shutting down the debate. It's not going to work, obviously, but he has been so far able to sort of skate over the top. He's just doing what he wants to do and everybody else is kind of in the scrum fighting each other. Well, finally, Ron DeSantis is actually training his fire on Trump. And this has been, you know, the, the, the sort of pattern when it comes to primaries with Trump going all the way back to 2016. If you go back to 2016, what you'll see is that Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio were under the weird assumption that Donald Trump's support base would simply collapse at a certain point and then they would just walk into the nomination. That obviously didn't happen. Instead, they ended up fighting each other to the end. And then John Kasich stayed in to make sure that Donald Trump was the nominee by sucking up like 10, 15% of the vote in competitive primaries. And so Donald Trump waltzed in the nomination, despite the fact that in the early states, he's only winning 30, 35% of the vote. Well, Today, Trump is a lot stronger than he was in 2016. He's been a sitting president before. A huge percentage of the base is absolutely addicted to President Trump. They love the guy. And so whoever is running against Trump at a certain point here is going to have to stop with this notion that Trump is going to just fall off the road somewhere. He's not. Someone's going to have to take him on directly. And the only person right now who's positioned to do that is the guy who's number two in the race, Ron DeSantis. DeSantis, for all the slings and arrows that he's taken, is basically in the polls where he has been for the last six months. He is, he is stuck in the 15 to 25% range. He is in, in a second place holding pattern. And so something has to change. And so finally, DeSantis, who has now done two separate debates with the rest of the, with the rest of the second tier Republicans, he's beginning to fight back because he's making an, an argument. The argument basically is, look, I, I, I won the last two debates. I'm the only other solid candidate. I'm the only guy who's running double digits even against Trump in these primaries. So if you're going to consolidate the field, don't consolidate the field around one candidate who has not even had to go through a debate and who has a lot of blemishes on his record. Instead, why not consolidate the field around two candidates and then let us battle it out? And then if Trump wins, Trump wins. By the way, that, that is what the, the polls are showing. The, the, the polls are showing that people believe that the DeSantis won the last debate. For example, CNN Focus Group came out yesterday and uh, CNN Focus Group suggested that DeSantis was the big winner of the debate. Show of hands now. Okay, I'm doing alphabetical order. Who you think did best during this debate? All of you. Bergam. One. Christie. Okay, so his toughness didn't appeal to anybody tonight. DeSantis. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Haley. One, two, three, four, five, six. Pence. Ramaswamy. One. So Scott. As you can see. DeSantis cleared the field when it came to when it, when it came to this debate. And, and the polling data support that same sort of notion. So 538 did a poll on the debate. And what they found is that 33 percent of likely Republican voters who watched the debate said DeSantis performed the best. Only five percent said that he performed the worst. Nikki Haley came in second. She had an 18 percent rating as the strongest debater. Seven percent rated her as the worst. 
Vivek Ramaswamy, 15% said he did the best, but 10% also said he did the worst. A lot of people love Vivek. A lot of people hate Vivek. Everybody hated Chris Christie. Tim Scott basically did not register. People hated Mike Pence's performance. Nobody understands why Doug Burgum is on the stage. So DeSantis is now making the case that he should have made a long time ago, which is when it comes to winning the, the general election, I'm your guy. I've, I have the proven track record in Florida. I have not lost to President Biden before. Well, Donald Trump has. And Donald Trump has to stop talking debates. It's about time for Donald Trump to actually debate me. And so he's now calling for a one-on-one debate with Trump directly. Here was DeSantis yesterday getting a lot more aggressive with Trump. He's had a lot to say about me on social media, really since 2022, right before the midterm election. He started uh, he started attacking me when I was we all Republicans were supposed to be united for a red wave. No, he tried to attack me and has been doing it a lot. You know, it's one thing to do it behind a keyboard. Step up on stage and do it to my face. I'm ready for it. You used to say I was a great governor. Now, all of a sudden, you're saying the opposite. Let's have that discussion and I'll do it. We could do it one on one. I was with Sean last night. Let's do that. Uh, and let's let's give the American people the choice that they deserve. Now, is Trump actually going to do that? Of course not. Trump is not going to do that. And that, that should raise some questions. If Trump is unable to debate Ron DeSantis, who is an excellent Republican governor from Florida and who is the second place finisher in, in all of these polls right now. And by the way, who actually is a threat to him in Iowa? I know that everybody is writing off DeSantis overall right now. But the reality is that DeSantis has done an enormous amount of groundwork in Iowa right now, DeSantis is running by the latest CBS News poll in the 20s in Iowa. Trump has a major lead, but that's not the way the Iowa caucuses run. They're caucuses. And those caucuses rely a lot on ground game. They rely a lot on endorsements. Iowa is still very much an open question. There's a world where DeSantis wins Iowa. And so if if Trump just keeps ignoring DeSantis, I mean, at a certain point, somebody's going to have to take it to Trump. And DeSantis is going to have to be the guy who does it because no one else in the field really is capable of doing that. Now, the big problem here is that when you're looking at consolidation of the field, Trump wants the field to consolidate to just him. I think it's premature to do that, considering, again, all of his vulnerabilities that we've discussed, ranging from the fact that he's wildly unpopular with suburban women to the fact that he already lost to Joe Biden the first time, to the fact that he does not have the self-control to actually meticulously attack Joe Biden's record. All All the things we all know about Donald Trump, those should be fair game for debate. But consolidating the field to two is necessary at this point if you actually want there to be any sort of race. Instead, we have a bunch of also-rans who are staying in the field. And this is ridiculous. Okay, there were two serious candidates on the stage in that last debate. Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, everyone else on the stage is, is, is a joke in terms of why, they, why are they there? They should not be there. Vivek Ramaswamy is not running for president. He's running for Senate from Ohio, or he's running for a cabinet position under President Trump, or he is running for a, a new business in the media. Chris Christie is running a pure revenge play. He is a, he is a homicide bomber of politics. He... he committed the world's most famous political murder-suicide in New Hampshire against Marco Rubio, basically ensuring the nomination of Donald Trump. And apparently he wants to do the same thing again. Christie says, I'm not going to drop out. Why should I drop out? The answer to why you should drop out is because you have no shot of winning the presidential nomination. So why are you doing this? Stop it. If it all is going to come down to New Hampshire, and you know this better than anyone having uh, run, you ran a great campaign in 2016. How are you getting the sense the field is going to be winnowed? And if you're down before New Hampshire, would you drop out of the race? No, I have every intention of winning New Hampshire, and I wouldn't drop out um, before that. And I don't think I'm going to see any evidence that would compel me to do so. But what I would also say to you is, at least what I see up in New Hampshire, is Donald Trump in almost every poll well below 40%. The unbelievable arrogance of people like Chris Christie staying in the race, even if Chris Christie were to win New Hampshire. Do you think Chris Christie goes on to even compete in South Carolina 
or any of the other primaries? The answer, of course, is no. The answer is no. This field needs to winnow and it needs to winnow fast if there's going to be anyone to challenge. Maybe there's no one who's going to challenge Trump. Maybe the polls are exactly right nationally speaking and Trump just blows away the rest of the field. Maybe, fine. But if there's going to be any alternative, the field has to winnow. Again, I'm looking at that real clear politics polling average and what you are seeing in that real clear politics polling average is that even in the national polling, Trump's at like 53, which means 47% of the Republican base is not in love with Trump. But you have 83 candidates, including like Christie at two and Scott at three and Pence at four and Ramaswamy at five and Haley at seven. That field is going to have to winnow and winnow pretty quickly if anyone is going to challenge Trump. And again, DeSantis is going to have to get a lot more aggressive on the campaign trail against Trump, against Trump, among other people. In just a second, we'll get to Joe Biden, who is deeply relying on Donald Trump's candidacy in order to project him back to the presidency of the United States. First, did you know that poor sleep, really bad for you, can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, lower productivity? Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health and performance in our days. Having a consistent nighttime routine, non-negotiable, you need it. If you're struggling with sleep, you really should check out Beam. Beam's top selling, Beam Dream, they have a new formula. Dream contains a powerful, all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, and epigenin to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and help you wake up refreshed. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. Today, my listeners get a special discount on the Beam Dream Powder. That's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. It's available in delicious flavors like cinnamon cocoa, chocolate peanut butter, and mint chip. Better sleep has never tasted better. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, get up to 40% off today for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Ben. Use code Ben at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash Ben. Use code Ben for up to 40% off. Beam sent the product down to the offices. Our staff is loving it. Go check it out right now. Shopbeam.com slash Ben. Use code Ben and get 40% off. Okay, meanwhile, Joe Biden's entire candidacy is reliant on Donald Trump being the Republican nominee. He went to Arizona yesterday. He gave a speech. The entire speech was about how Donald Trump is the scourge of the world. And of course, he has to run this campaign because if he is forced to run on his record, he loses. So he's going to run purely on the idea that Donald Trump is a threat to democracy and all the rest. Now, back in 2022, some of us kind of scoffed at this strategy. We said, well, yeah, but he's a bad president. And his bizarre speech in front of Independence Hall, flanked by U.S. Marines in the background with a blood red background, was absurd and ugly and quasi terrifying. And and yet, and yet, because Trump was seen as such a as a threat by so many sort of moderate voters, the the result was that the Democrats overperformed in 2022. And so they're going to run that same playbook back again. Here was Joe Biden yesterday talking about how the MAGA movement is a dangerous threat to democracy. Democracy is not a partisan issue. It's an American issue. And he looks terrible. I've come to honor the McCain Institute and Library because they are a home of a proud Republican who put his country first. Our commitment should be no less because democracy should unite all Americans, regardless of political affiliation. He's not even speaking English now. And there's something dangerous happening in America now. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. The MAGA movement. Not every Republican, not even a majority of Republicans adhere to the MAGA extremist ideology. Dude, stop I know because I've been speak. able to work with Republicans my whole career. But there's no question that today's Republican Party is driven and intimidated by MAGA Republican extremists. Their extreme agenda, if carried out, would fundamentally alter the institutions of American democracy as we know it. Uh, that dude, I would say he's on Valium, but this is his natural state. This is when they haven't pumped him full of the amphetamines. Wow. Wow. I mean, so again, this is his pitch. His pitch is going to be that he is the person to protect you from the threat to democracy that is Donald Trump. He's going to play dead. The good news is he doesn't have to play at it. He just is. 
uh, you know, authenticity in casting. He is just a, a walking animatronic corpse, as uh, producer Zach has suggested. He looks like he's direct from the Hall of Presidents at Disneyland. I mean, like, actually, that is more lifelike than Joe Biden is at this point. But again, is that a rip on him? Not if the pitch is the guy on the other side of the aisle is a crazy person who's going to destroy American democracy. Now, you know that that's crap. I know that that's crap. But a lot of the American people doesn't believe that. So here is Joe Biden going through all of this. Is He started quoting MAGA, MAGA quotes. Here we go. MAGA quotes with Joe Biden. What's amazing about Joe Biden, I've never heard, you know, the, the longest word in the English language is pneumo ultramicroscopic silicovolcanoconiosis, or at least it was until the speech in which Joe Biden strung together at least 8,000 words into one. It was an amazing achievement. I, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever seen a word this long, like the word you're about to hear. Just consider these as actual quotes from MAGA, the MAGA movement. Quote, I am your retribution. Slitting throats of civil servants, replacing them with extreme political cronies. That's a long word. MAGA extremists proclaim support for law enforcement only to say, we, quote, we must destroy the FBI. It's not one person. It's a controlling element of the House Republican Party. Whitewash attacks of January 6th by calling the spearing and stomping of police a, leg, quote, a legitimate political discourse. Okay. Again, this is going to be the shtick. And this is going to be the shtick all the way up to the election. And he says it's an inflection point in our history. This is his closing pitch. It's an inflection point in our history. I've said it before. We're at an inflection point in our history. One of those moments that not only happens once every several generations, it happens once every eight or nine generations, where the decisions made in a short period of time we're in now are going to determine the course of this country and the world for the next six or seven decades. So you, me, every American who's committed to preserving our democracy and our constitutional protections, we carry a special responsibility. Okay, again, like all of this is garbage, but... The case that he is making is going to be, and it always comes down to this one, is Biden versus Trump. Who is less off-putting? Right? Who is the person who's going to project solidity? Now, when it comes to record, Trump's record is way more solid than Biden's, without a doubt. When it comes to personality, Biden isn't particularly solid. The good news is that he's not alive anymore, so you don't have to worry about whether he's solid or not because corpses generally aren't all that volatile. In just a second, we'll get to the other flaws in Joe Biden's candidacy first. When it comes to the air that you breathe, it is a lot more polluted than you think. I'm not just talking about like outdoors if you live in Los Angeles and your lungs are turning black. I'm talking about the fact that you and your family's health may be affected by the air quality in your home. Allergens and germs floating in the air you breathe can make you sick. But the good news is there's technology out there that helps you purify your living space easily and affordably. With EnviroCleanse, you'll never have to worry again. EnviroCleanse is an in-home air purifying unit. Designed to destroy cold and flu viruses, allergy-inflaming toxins, mold, and even more, EnviroCleanse promises far fewer colds, allergies, and better sleep. Their air purifiers come in all sizes, colors, and prices to fit every budget. And right now, you can shop their flash sale while supplies last. EnviroCleanse is the air purifier we use in our office. We love it. With cold season coming up, traveling as much as I am, I do not need to get sick. Like, really, it would be bad. Breathe in pure air. Live a healthier life with the EnviroCleanse flash sale. Visit ekpure.com. Use code BEN for 25% off your EnviroCleanse home air purification unit during their flash sale. That's ekpure.com. Code BEN, ekpure.com. Promo code BEN and get... 25% off. And meanwhile, again, Joe Biden's entire campaign is predicated on Donald Trump being the nominee because if he's not the nominee, he's got a real problem. One of those big problems is the fact that he is as corrupt as the day is long. So the House yesterday commenced their impeachment inquiry. So I suggested beforehand 
that I don't really see the strategic need for an impeachment inquiry, given the fact we are already on the Republican side looking into all of his corruption. I'm not sure how like putting a stamp impeachment inquiry helps things other than it sort of boxes you in because you don't come to an impeachment at the end of the impeachment inquiry, you exonerate the guy. And the question is going to be whether you have enough votes, even on the Republican side of the aisle for an actual impeachment. That means holding together your caucus in really strong fashion, which is kind of a problem since, again, the impeachment inquiry was launched without a vote in the House, meaning that the the majority in the House, the Republican majority was not even there. And the, the fact is that, that McCarthy could not get enough Republicans to vote on the dotted line with regard to an impeachment inquiry to launch it that way, which raises the question as to whether he's going to get enough Republicans to vote for an actual impeachment, which would be a giant fail. If you launch an inquiry without coming to an actual impeachment, you get nothing out of it. So the Republicans did it anyway. They launched the impeachment inquiry. A lot of people think that that was an attempt by McCarthy to stave off the right flank, saying, listen, I'm giving you guys what you want. You got the impeachment inquiry. What do you want from me? Okay, whatever whatever this is, that yesterday they had a six-hour hearing on impeachment. It was not like amazing for the Republican Party. They didn't present any firsthand witnesses. Instead, they heard some testimony from a variety of of sort of different scholars, including Jonathan Turley, forensic accountant Bruce Dubinsky, former Justice Department tax attorney Eileen O'Connor. They knew going in that Jonathan Turley was was going to say that they have not the evidence to impeach Biden yet. The problem is that that is the headline coming out of the impeachment inquiry day one, is that the Republicans' own witness said, you can't impeach him based on what you got right now. Here's Jonathan Turley yesterday. This is a question of an impeachment inquiry. It is not a vote on articles of impeachment. In fact, I do not believe that the current evidence would support articles of impeachment. That is something that an inquiry has to establish. But I also do believe that the House has passed the threshold for an impeachment inquiry into the conduct of President Biden. Okay, so it's that first part that everybody is focusing in on is truly saying, well, I don't have the evidence yet to impeach, but it's okay. They're ignoring the second part where he says an impeachment inquiry would be appropriate. You can see Jamie Raskin, who's sitting next to Comer, who's leading the inquiry, James Comer. You can see Raskin, who's a Democrat, kind of shifting in his seat, gleeful that Turley said that they don't have enough evidence to impeach right now. Well, the evidence continues to emerge. Yesterday, according to Breitbart, Hunter Biden apparently referenced selling access to President Joe Biden as the keys to my family's only asset according to messages from Hunter Biden's iCloud backup released by the House Ways and Means Committee on Wednesday. The committee released information confirming Devin Archer's testimony that Hunter Biden traveled the world selling access to the Biden brand, meaning Joe Biden. Hunter referred to access to Joe as, quote, the keys to, quote, my family's only asset, which is pretty strong language. Documents obtained by the committee confirm associates of the Biden business had direct access to the White House and then VP Joe Biden's advisors. According to the committee, Biden's associates were told not to mention Joe being involved. White House logs show many Biden business associates visited the White House multiple times. In addition, after the IRS launched its investigation into the Biden family, Hunter Biden apparently, quote, expected all of this stuff to go away when his dad becomes president, according to an email between Hunter Biden and a CNN producer that the committee actually obtained. Again, the producer has an email from Hunter saying he expected all this stuff to go away when his dad became president. So that's not good. Now, that there will be more evidence to emerge for sure. Comer, for his part, He said, we now have evidence that the Chinese government is sending direct payments to Joe Biden's immediate family. Well, of course, that's true. We we knew that. Have you been able to identify what specifically Joe Biden did to get paid? Mm -hmm. 
Well, all these people who were paying the Bidens, first of all, Joe Biden met with every single one of them or talked to them on the phone, even though he lied to the American people and said he never met with any of them. He met with all of them. They were all in trouble. They were all needing help from the United States. Uh, if you talk about the Romanian money, the Ukrainian money, they were being investigated for corruption in their home countries. They needed help from Joe Biden. In China, this was the Chinese government. This was the Chinese government uh, sending direct payments to Joe Biden's <clears throat> immediate family. And what they needed was help navigating the bureaucracy and eliminating barriers to entry in our markets. And all that is true and more evidence is going to drop here and it's not going to be good for Joe Biden. Now, Democrats, for their part, they were dunking on Republicans yesterday. They were suggesting that they've got nothing. There's no evidence, all the rest of this kind of stuff. But it doesn't matter because in the general American perception of Joe Biden, the idea that he is clean and pure and honorable no one thinks that. The polls show people think that Joe Biden is corrupt, mainly because he's corrupt. But here are Democrats yesterday slaying. Slay, go, go ahead, slay kings and queens. Go for it. All right, so let's get it straight. We're 62 hours away from shutting down the government of the United States of America, and Republicans are launching an impeachment drive based on a long debunked and discredited lie. What a day <laughs> we are having yeah. here, isn't it? Right? I mean, listen, I, as a former director of emergency management, I know a disaster when I see one. I want to say thank you to Mr. Donald Trump for calling this hearing today. We see the long arm, but little hands, of Mr. Donald Trump, whose fingerprints are all over this hearing and this sham impeachment. Donald Trump impeachments. Oh, how many impeachments? We got two there. How many indictments? We got four. How many for Biden? Zero, zero. Donald Trump is right. I'm, he's sick of winning. He's just winning, running away with it. And that's why we're here. They can't save Donald Trump. They can't take away the two impeachments and the four indictments, but they can try to put some numbers on the board for Joe Biden. But the problem is when you sling mud, you gotta have mud. And they just don't have anything, Mr. Chairman. Honestly, if they would continue uh, to say, what a if clown we're show. Hunter and we were playing a drinking game, I would be drunk by now. If the Republicans had a smoking gun, or even a dripping water pistol. They would be presenting it today, but they've got nothing on Joe Biden. Come on, if you all think there's so much evidence, we're here, call the vote on impeachment. Impeach him right now. Well, first I of all, that's, that's, not, that's not what an inquiry is. Okay, first of all, it's not what an inquiry is. But also, guys, go off. You know, go off, really. Continue to talk about this because it's very, very good for Joe Biden's opposition. In just one second, we'll get to the latest on the UAW. It turns out that when you incentivize unions to strike, they like to strike more. It's amazing how that works. First, as you might know, we are fans of our friends over at GenuCell. You don't have to take my word for it. Ella from Rockford says, I have both age and acne spots. This stuff is actually fading. Both of them. This serum is worth every penny. Ella is raving about the famous dark spot corrector from GenuCell. It must have after months of record heat and humidity. Sunspots, brown spots, discoloration, even red inflamed patches all will disappear in front of your very eyes. Here's GenuCell's amazing guarantee. You'll see results on day one or your money back. Not only has GenuCell been a longtime partner of the show, my family's been using GenuCell itself for like a decade. Crazy fast results. It, it really, really works. And that's the magic of GenuCell because again, you're trying it completely risk-free. It's about 70% off right now. Take advantage of GenuCell's most popular package. It now includes that dark spot corrector plus the classic GenuCell bags and puffiness treatment. How? Well, it's simple. Go to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Start looking years, even decades younger tomorrow. Say goodbye to those dark and liver spots, bags and puffiness under the eyes, crow's feet at GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. That is GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Again, they've got an amazing guarantee. Results on day one or you get your money back. GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. And so meanwhile, again, Joe Biden, 
between his corrupt personality, the fact that he is in a state of physical and mental decay and his bad policy, he is a very vulnerable candidate. The UAW apparently is now threatening more strikes. Oh, that, that's that's great. So you mean the president showed up, wore their hat, and now they're like, hey, we got some Jews. Let's strike some more and wreck the economy. The UAW pledged to widen its strike on Friday, barring significant progress in talks with Detroit car makers as the companies take steps to keep critical parts flowing to their dealerships. Parallel talks between the UAW and GM, Ford Motor, and Chrysler parent Stellantis continued. A union official said Wednesday nearly two weeks into a limited strike at all three automakers. The UAW official said the union would identify new strike targets at 10 a.m. Friday with walkouts to begin at noon, unless bargainers make headway in negotiations for new four-year contracts. Last week, the UAW expanded that strike beyond three assembly plans to include a 38-part distribution centers owned by GM and Stellantis. The union spared Ford for more walkouts. They said they were getting more concessions from Ford. But the widening of the strike, why do you think they're doing that? They're doing that because the president of the United States literally showed up and walked the picket line with them wearing a UAW hat. That is why you end up with more strikes. So if they cut a really, really great sweetheart deal with all of these car companies and your car becomes wildly more expensive, you know exactly who to blame. His name rhymes with Joe Biden. That's exactly who to blame. It turns out again that when the president of the United States endorses one side in a private labor action, it is very likely that that side is going to be incentivized to take a harder line position not to come to the negotiating table and bargain. Speaking of failures, the Ukraine war continues to slog on. According to the New York Times, literally no one has gained ground this year. Although both sides have launched ambitious offensive, the front line has barely shifted. After 18 months of war, a breakthrough looks more difficult than ever. Again, the front line in Ukraine basically changed not at all from last winter. There's supposed to be a major Ukrainian offensive that was going to reverse Russian gains in the Donbass and the Crimea region. Instead, the map looks pretty much the same. Despite nine months of bloody fighting, less than 500 square miles of territory have changed hands since the start of the year. And, and meanwhile, Joe Biden has no off-ramp. He's provided no off-ramp. He says that Zelensky is going to do all the negotiating. We're just going to keep signing checks. That is not the way this should work. It's not the way this should work. Everyone knows how this war ends. We've known it for a year. There was going to be a negotiated settlement. No one believes the Ukrainians are pushing the Russians all the way out of Crimea and all the way out of the Donbass. There's been almost like zero territorial change. The last major territorial change was in November, December of last year. Otherwise, no territorial change whatsoever. Since the, st since the start of the year, Ukraine has gained about 143 square miles and Russia has gained about 331 square miles. These are not major amounts of territory. And yet Joe Biden has no plan to end this war. It's just going to continue ad infinitum, which presumably is why some other Democrats are starting to look around and go, like, why isn't anyone jumping in on this guy? I mean, he's vulnerable on the Democrat. Like 70% of Democrats don't want him to run again. One of the people who is now delusionally thinking about running for president is apparently Cenk Uyghur. I myself have debated. Watch that on YouTube. It's fascinating stuff. Here is Cenk yesterday announcing that he might be staffing up for a 2024 primary run against Joe Biden. Crystal, we are definitely in an unsolvable riddle. Because yeah. the corporate Democrats say, I will not disobey. I will always bow my head. Right. right. And the progressives say, well, I can't run. The mainstream media will destroy me. They'll yeah. destroy my life. Mm -hmm. They'll destroy my career, et cetera. Right. Right. So how do we get past that? That's why I'm desperate enough to think maybe I should do it. And I'll tell you why. Because let's say that somebody like me gets in the race. Yeah. The Democratic voters are dying for an alternative. Mm -hmm. They keep saying every poll. For God's sake, give us someone else. Give us someone else. If a, someone like me were to get to 20 points, do you have any idea how quick Newsom and Whitmer would enter the race? And so that's Cheng basically saying, I'll get in the race just to show that Biden's vulnerable. And then you'll see some of the more serious candidates jump in. There's a reason that Democrats are hitting the panic button right now. And Cheng 
does not happen to be wrong. I mean, again, there's something tactical to what he's doing there. I, I, I think that it's a, it's a mission doomed for failure, but he's saying it's a mission doomed for failure. It's kind of fascinating. Okay, in just one second, we'll get into the controversy of the day on the right side of the aisle first. It's time to give a shout out to the people whose job it is to hire from small business owners, growing their teams to HR directors, hiring hundreds across the nation. You have one of the toughest jobs out there. You're like Toby from the office. It's unappreciated. Hiring a good HR team is one of the most important things you can do, which is why we are so grateful that we have Sierra over here at Daily Wire, making sure that all HR procedures are followed. I mean, not not that not that HR at Daily Wire has told me that I'm not allowed to roast my own employees on air before and then I disobey them and it turns into a big internal fight. And, you know, Sierra's doing her best and everything and she has to listen to everybody complain all the time. But let's say that, that at a certain point we decide, you know what, HR, we, we, need, we, we just need some new people. Well, with ZipRecruiter, you can make your whole hiring process faster and easier. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology works for you to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. ZipRecruiter saves you time by letting you easily invite your top candidates to apply to your job so they're more likely to apply sooner. ZipRecruiter is trusted by millions. In fact, over 3.8 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Hiring heroes, let ZipRecruiter help you make your job easier. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. Also, who doesn't love a good Columbus Day sale? Aside from the people who just hate Christopher Columbus. Well, we don't hate Christopher Columbus here at Jeremy's Razors. At Jeremy's Razors, we want you to discover the new world of woke-free shaving. Get 20% off selected Jeremy's Razors products and bundles, including the Precision 5 Starter Kit, the Founders Kit, the Beard Kit, the Skin Care Bundle, and more. Be a pioneer for a better shave and better hygiene. Don't wait. Make the switch today. Get yours at jeremysrazors.com. Meanwhile, on the right, a fascinating debate has broken out about the value of marriage. It's, it's really interesting. So there are a bunch of people on the so-called red-pilled right who have now suggested that marriage is bad for men, that men should not get married. Now, the case that they're making is not the liberal feminist case that basically men are useless and terrible and a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle or anything like that. The case that they are making is that the stakes of marriage have been changed by things like no-fault divorce, custody arrangements, the, the child support payments and all the rest, spousal support, that basically the legal regimen has made it not a bargain for men to get married. Now, I agree with, with the critique of all of those policies. I think no-fault divorce is a disaster area. I think that the child custody arrangements that, that basically always go to mom no matter what, that is, a, that is a serious problem. When you shift the incentive structure, there's a reason why the majority of divorces, the vast majority of divorces are now initiated by women. That, that is not because in the past, women were, were wildly abused and today they are wildly liberated. What that really is is when you shift the incentive structure and it turns out that all the risk is now taken by men, Women are going to be the ones who actually activate and push that divorce button. However, the red pilled have taken it one step further. And now they're telling young men, you should not get married. It's too dangerous to get married. Don't get married. That's foolish. That's foolish. So let's, let's go through some of these arguments because they become very popular on the right. So let's start with Pearl Davis. So Pearl Davis is an anti-feminist who has uh, become pretty popular. These days. A lot of people label her sort of a female Andrew Tate, although without the uh, checkered past. And uh, here is Pearl Davis talking about marriage. The trad cons, Daily Wire conservatives were are saying that Pearl's just a doom and gloomer who lies about stats, just focuses on the negatives, never the positives, and all the men complaining are just crybabies. And so one day he comes home and he finds out that his wife had called the police on him and told them that the first time they hooked up 10 years ago, he um, he had quote unquote raped her. 
And the truth of the matter is, when a man has children, they're not his kids. A man has no way to have children and those kids be actually his. They're always hers because the courts give the women custody 90% of the time and rich men are really the only ones that have the money to fight it and the time. So I I ask the Daily Wire, Jeremy Boeing, Matt Walsh, um, is this just crybabies? Are they just, are they just, they're crybaby, weak men who don't man up and want to risk that? So, you know, it's interesting because instead of demanding that the laws change and demanding women face repercussions for doing this stuff, you guys demand that men need to step up and take part in a system that discriminates against them. You say, oh, find a girl that prays, she won't do it. But, and I had this thought too. Until I found a Muslim girl that did the same thing. I found a Christian girl that did the same thing. I found a Catholic girl. It's happening all over. Whether you want to believe it or not, it is happening. I don't care about your religion. I don't care about your church. This happens everywhere. Okay, so the argument that she's making against all these marital policies, those are are correct arguments. And nobody is disregarding the pain of men who have been wrongfully victimized under these circumstances where the incentive structure is completely stacked against them. That is true. However, the benefits of marriage are still unbelievable. It does matter who you marry. To pretend that there is no difference between the person that you marry, that it's happening with Christians and Muslims, and and it's all the same, that's statistically untrue. There are things that you can do to mitigate against the risk of divorce, and the person that you marry is the chief mitigation. The, The truth is that in the Jewish community, we always have a backup plan in the sense that every marital contract is a prenup. Every marital contract is a prenup, right? A, a Jewish ketubah is a prenup. It guarantees certain levels of spousal support, for example. If you if you give a get, then it, it, it makes prior arrangements and all the rest. But one of the things, throwing out the baby with the bathwater is not the solution. So how about both? How about we revise the system of law? But also, in the meantime, you do need to find a spouse and get married to her. And if what it requires for you to, to feel comfortable doing that is to shift away from the state mandated law and toward a contract arrangement, then then do that as well, right? We can have churches that sponsor that sort of thing because the truth is that those are enforceable contracts in court very often, the pre-custody arrangements and all the rest of that sort of thing. I want to go through some of the stats with regard to the benefits of marriage because I think that it's also possible to exaggerate how bad things are for men. That doesn't mean they aren't really bad for men who end up divorced or that women aren't divorcing men at an incredibly high rate overall. Or the women aren't initiating the vast majority of divorce. Like, again, I agree with many of the critiques of current marital law. I agree with a lot of that stuff. The problem is that when you take it so far that you say that the solution for men is to not get married, now what you have done is you've created a second order of fact where unmarried men become actual menaces. Okay, the reality is that men channel their aggressive drives toward building or they channel it toward destroying. And a system in which women are unmarried and men are un- unmarried that's something that the left wants. And if you acquiesce in that, then you actually end up destroying the very fundamental basis of society that allows for the growing and building of a society beyond the leftist principles. My, my, my answer to Pearl is both and. But yes, get married. And also we should work to change those laws. But by the way, the way that we date has, has an effect on how we get married and who we get married to. I mean, when I dated my wife, we went in knowing as we began today that we were not we were not going to sleep together until we were married. We knew for a fact that we were going to have long conversations about things that mattered. And, and this is, by the way, the, the best available data suggests that this is how you end up with a tangible, durable marriage that lasts a very long time, is that everybody has to be committed going in. 
that value, when you put values at the center of dating, that obviously doesn't mean that you're going to be impervious to the possibility of divorce, but it does mean that your chance of divorce are really a lot lower, a lot lower. Now, I don't want to rip on Pearl here, and I don't think I am ripping on Pearl, frankly, Um, but there there are a bunch of other people who are making similar claims. So, for example, uh, Brian Atlas was on the Whatever podcast, and, and here he was talking about marriage. Would you consider a prenup? Prenups are regularly thrown out all the time. They're typically non-enforceable, especially the longer the marriage goes on, the less likely they are to be enforced. Men get absolutely destroyed in marriage and in divorce. Financially, when it comes to the kids, women are more likely to get custody. And then also, if you do get a divorce, the financial cost of just getting the attorney, getting all that involved. If there, if it's a contested divorce, you're going to spend mid five figures, six figures on, mm-hmm. on attorneys. And you got to pay for her attorney too. 50% of marriages end in divorce. 80% of divorces are initiated by women. 90% if she's college educated. 90% of child support payments go from men to women. 97% of alimony payments go from men to women. You know, you have no fault to divorce. So a woman can cheat on you. She can still get half your shit. Again, a lot of what he's saying is true. The stats on marriage are not completely true. I'll go through those in just one second. Again, the rip on on the divorce law is a good rip. It is a fine rip. And the answer is not for men to avoid marriage. The answer is for men to find a good woman to get married to who is committed to values. Yes, of course, marriage is a risk. Of course it is. And that risk is disproportionately borne by men at this point. That is true also. But is the reward worth the risk? The answer in a huge majority of circumstances where both people are committed, like say, have, share Christian values, for example, the, ri- the risk is is worth it, is is the basic principle. He, again, the, these arguments are made not just by people like this. Andrew Tate has made the, the same sorts of, of arguments. Here's Andrew Tate talking about how men don't benefit from marriage. I think it's a fantastic environment, and I think in an idealistic world, that's the way it would be. I think the reason it's not happening today is that I don't think many men actually benefit from marriages or relationships anymore. And people are always going to have to require some degree of incentive. I think that we've set up the world now in a way where men are seen as worker droids. They're expected to go work all day, come home, clean up as well, share the cleaning with the woman, not have any, not no meal prepared for them not have any authority over the household and just and just be a worker droid and be a sad. And I don't think that many people understand that men are intrinsically wired to desire respect amongst our peers and in our environments. This is why CEOs work so hard because they get respect in their company. Okay, so again, I don't disagree with much of what you say, but the solution very often with the red pill kind of movement, the diagnosis is correct and the solution is wrong. That, that, that happens very, very often in, in this sort of movement. The, the reason, by the way, that Pearl and the rest of the Red Pill movement think the way they do is because of arguments like the one that, that a person named Destiny makes with Pearl in this particular clip. Women out earning men have a hard time respecting the men they're with. That's not true. That's not true. I read into that data and it explained why. A lot of the time the women reported that they were expected to be in charge of the household duties mm-hmm. and still work a job. Mm-hmm. And they add to... Oh, come on. What percent of modern women actually cook? I'm just saying this shit's automated nowadays. I mean, you have a washing machine, a dishwasher. Yeah, but sure, you have you to say, put it in a But as much as it's automated, men still don't do it. I'm, yeah, still yeah. don't do they it. They still don't do it. I'm, that's so, that's the issue. Is that the, one of the but big why? problems that's with households... reason for divorce? One of, it absolutely is a reason. Chores? When you oh, get when you get older and you manage a household on your own, Pearl, you'll see how annoying it is when you're working and then you come home and yeah. everything is f- 
that have been horrible and nobody's fucking cleaning anything. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. is a totally valid reason for divorce, of course. Divo- yeah. Chores, to break up a home, Pearl, a family. Have you lived in a filthy divorce. home? Like, it's so funny because, like, lifelong friends from, like, grade school to high school will dorm in college and then hate each other forever over, like, bad dorm roommates. Yeah. And that's not even a relationship. So, yeah, of course I think stuff like this is perfectly valid. I think, I think splitting, up, and, and splitting, up, splitting up duties in the household is, like, one of the most important parts of, like, a relationship. Because yeah. it's where you're spending most of the time together. This is why I say, people get triggered when I say, I don't think you're even dating until you live together. Because until you live together, you don't really know what the other person's like. And once you start living together and you see what the household duties are like, then you get a feel for what the relationship is. So what Destiny is saying here is totally crazy, okay? The idea that you get divorced, let's say you have kids, you get divorced because you can't split up who handles the dishwasher is nuts. And comparing marriage to roommates, college roommates, yes, because you don't expect to be roommates with your roommate for the rest of your life and have children with them, generally speaking. A marriage is not supposed to be a contractual arrangement that is purely about who shares household duties. It's supposed to be about building a household. So it's that attitude toward divorce that is making the red pill crew basically say, okay, well, if that's your version of marriage, then I'm not in. I agree. If that were my version of marriage, I would not be in. The point that I'm making is that that shouldn't be anybody's version of marriage. Just like the current version of divorce shouldn't be anybody's version of divorce. And I want to give you some stats that demonstrate that not all marriages are created equal. Not all predicates for marriage are the same. So Brad Wilcox, who is a social science scholar on all of this, he has a book called Get Married, and it's all about marriage and divorce. And here are some of the facts in that book that are well substantiated by by the data. The number one factor in predicting a high-quality marriage is perceived partner commitment. If you believe that your partner is deeply committed to the marriage, you will be deeply committed to the marriage, which is one of the reasons why it really matters how you date. It really, really matters how you date. So I agree that in a context where you're picking up a girl at a bar and then you live together and then you get married to her, that's a very risky situation. You put yourself in a situation that is very risky, but that is not how I've ever recommended dating. That is not ever how I've recommended getting married. It is all part of a holistic view of how male-female relationships work. If you just take marriage as an institution and you just throw it out there and however you date is supposed to be equivalent, that of course is not true. Women who attend church are 50% less likely to divorce. For example, so when you heard Pearl earlier talk about, for example, I've seen Christian women, I've seen Muslim women. Yes, but the question is likelihood. You can always find somebody in any group who does X, Y, or Z. The question is, how often does that happen? How do you mitigate your risk? As far as the stat that 50% of marriages end in divorce, just about 40% right now of first marriages end in divorce, which is way, way too high. It's also down significantly since the 1980s. But again, it's not equivalent between groups. College-educated parents' risk of divorce has fallen by about 25% since the 1970s. And here's a good stat. Almost 90% of their children for college-educated parents are being raised and married largely intact families today. So it turns out that there is actually a formula to a successful marriage. It tends to be conservative, religious, highly educated. Those would be like the biggest, the biggest things that are going to affect whether you end up staying married or whether you end up divorced. By the way, another factor that ends up determining whether you stay married or end up divorced is, again, about the nature of the marriage. Do you have kids? Marriages with kids divorce far less often than marriages without kids. In fact, the divorce rate for couples with kids is about 40% lower than the divorce rate for couples without kids, which makes sense because you have less investment. Once you have kids, then actually it damages another party for you to get divorced over the dishwasher. And then, then, then somebody else pays for your crimes at that point. 77% of college-educated conservative parents are still in their first marriage. So are 70% of moderates and 68% of liberals. And again, the the number of newly divorced people per 1,000 married Americans has declined pretty markedly since the 80s. It was 22.6 in 1980. It is 13.6 today in 2021. As far as the notion 
that it's like damaging financially for men to get married. No, it's, it's damaging for men to get divorced. It's not damaging for men to get married. Married men in their 30s are in about $95,000. If they're cohabiting, they're in about $68,000. If they're single, they are about $42,000. The average marriage premium in household assets is more than $290,000 for a stably married man. So again, I think what people are actually arguing about over here to be fair to the Red Pill crew, I think what they're actually arguing about is divorce. And so the question is, are you more likely to stay married or are you more likely to end up in a divorce situation? And that is a, a fair question, depending on the process that you use for dating in the cultural milieu in which you live. In, in the community where I live, an Orthodox Jewish community, not a lot of divorce, like very, very low divorce rates. Why? Well, because everyone is religiously committed because everybody goes into marriage believing it is a sacred bond that actually matters because people don't date for sex. People actually date looking forward to the day when they will have kids together because every family in my neighborhood has four plus kids. Those are the preconditions. But if the if the idea here is that your 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 basic binary is, are you going to be married or divorced? Divorced is is typically worse than never married. And married is way better than both divorced and never married. And so, yeah, it's a risk. But is it a coin flip? I don't think it's a coin flip. I think it is a, it is a decision that you have to make as to what kind of person you wish to date, how you wish to date that person, what kind of relationship you wish to build and how seriously you take that commitment in the first place. Do the laws need to change? Absolutely, and they need to change. They're garbage. I totally agree with that. It is easy for men to be victimized under these circumstances. It's so easy that you should not enter the risk. Let's look at some of the upsides and the downsides. Here's a chart from Brad about opioid overdose deaths by gender, educational attainment, and marital status. And what you see is that among men, if you are single, never married, what you see is that the opioid overdoses per 100,000 age 25 plus, it's like 25 for single, never married men. It is even higher for divorced men. And it is extremely low for married men. Really, really low for married men. And again, that's the, that's the, are you going to be one of the people who has divorced or not? One of the things you can know going in is you will never get divorced. And then you have to make sure that you marry a woman who will never get divorced. And we can't pretend that, that that divorce sort of falls on you like rain from the heavens. That's not right. The person who's, this is why I give dating advice all the time. My number one dating advice, date for values, date for values. In the end, that's the only thing that's going to remain. Okay, time for some things I like. So, Things that I like today, the Senate has apparently now passed unanimously a dress code, a formal dress code, because they had changed their rules so that John Fetterman could dress like my seven-year-old son. And to be fair to my seven-year-old son, he dresses significantly better than John Fetterman. My seven-year-old son, pretty dapper. John Fetterman looks like a schlub and a hobo. Well, according to Axios, the Senate passed a resolution on Wednesday to make business attire a requirement on the Senate floor. The move came after backlash to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's directive to scuttle the chamber's informal dress code, which was widely viewed to be inspired by Senator John Fetterman. The bipartisan resolution requires that business attire be worn on the floor of the Senate, which for men shall include a coat, tie, and slacks or other long pants. Um, again, he had been he'd shown up after going to the hospital for depression, and um, he had presided over the Senate wearing a short sleeve shirt earlier this month. So Schumer said, quote, though we've never had an official dress code, the events over the past week have made us all feel as though formalizing one is the right path forward. I deeply appreciate Senator Fetterman working with me to come to an agreement that we all find acceptable. And of course, I appreciate Senator Manchin and Senator Romney's leadership on this issue. Uh, I, I'm not sure why exactly this was necessary in the first place. Senator Fetterman, for his part, who his uh, we always say he he tweeted, but he never tweets. Right? I mean, it's, it's his team tweeting for him, tweeted out a meme of Kevin James in like schlubby attire shrugging. Um, it's just, and then he showed up to the Senate 
wearing a big boy suit. So this is exciting news. Uh, he showed up wearing a suit and looking kind of, you know, bewildered by the whole thing. More, more like my more like my baby than my three or seven year old. Um, giving a, a bizarre thumbs up as he walked through the halls of the Senate. Chuck Schumer undoubtedly told him that he would take him to the ice cream truck and um, if he wore a suit. And so John Fetterman put on a suit and then he also shaved. So his his ever changing facial hair continued. Man, he, he is Mr. Potato Head, Mr. Potato Head. Over. I used to be Cory Booker. It is now John Fetterman. OK, we're going to skip some things I hate. And we're going to get into Elon Musk being sued again by the federal government. It's amazing how if you cross Joe Biden and the federal government, magically you find yourself in the crosshairs. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 